Our guest speaker tonight is Alan Martin. Dr. Martin is the dean of the College of Biblical Studies, Oklahoma Christian University. I can still say the new dean. It hasn't been, has it been almost a year, two years now? Still, it's still newish. It's still newish. A little bit of background on him, his PhD. He has a PhD in family and child ecology from Michigan State University. Also a minister of uh, religion, a preacher, um, has worked, uh, as uh, Marty said, uh, the church in uh, Cape Town in South Africa. Also the Holmes Road Church of Christ in Michigan uh, has served there as well. Uh, Has been a marriage and family therapist since 1994. He and his wife Linda, who is with him tonight, we so appreciate you coming along and uh, visiting us with him, uh, have uh, three children. And they attend the Edmund Church of Christ. And, of course, uh, as a member there, he's uh, involved in outreach ministry, of course, counseling and family ministry, which is his specialty. You know, uh, I was a student at OC. I worked at OC. I've had a long association with that uh, school. And uh, in my experience, each of the heads of the Bible department have um, kind of put a stamp on that place uh, Um, in relationship to the things that they wanted to emphasize. I remember uh, Raymond Kelsey, who was never the head of the Bible department, but very influential. Uh, He was all about getting preachers out in the field. He just wanted to get preachers out into the field. Uh, And Howard Norton, who I knew very well and who I know very well, uh, very interested in missions, especially missions in South America. So each one has an emphasis. And of the several times I've heard uh, Dr. Uh, Martin speak, even in the short time in this role, um, I suspect that he is a great promoter of the idea that the church is central in God's plan for mankind. I mean, it just comes out in a lot of the things. I don't know how many times. I may have heard him speak five or six times so far. And that theme, that thread, seems to be in a lot of his speeches, a lot of his lessons. So... Uh, What a a marvelous opportunity to hear him speak uh, tonight, uh, our overall theme, what the church needs to hear, and his particular topic tonight, what the tired church needs to hear. So I won't take any more time. The, uh, The pulpit is yours. Thank you, Mike. As I say, uh, and to the elders, yeah, as I say, uh, wherever I go, Uh, to a new audience who has not heard me before, that give yourself about five minutes of listening to me because you have to attune your ears a little bit to the foreign accent. But after a while, you'll be right into it, and uh, you'll understand. And you can also kind of say, I know what a South African guy sounds like. But so glad to be with you. I think you are very exciting a series on a Wednesday night. I, I just looking at the topics. I know you are all going to be blessed. I had a forerunner. He told me to say this last week. Bob Rowley was here, I believe, and he said, "Alan, I laid the groundwork. I straightened out all the saints and Choctaw. So go in there and get them." And so I, I'm here. I'm just following what he said. I need to do. But so glad to be with you, and thank you for again, Mike, for the opportunity to. Uh, to share with the church tonight. Yes, what a tired church needs uh, to hear. And I want to take the lesson from the book of Hebrews. Uh, It's going to be certain sections, if you have your Bible with you. 
You may turn there. I will turn to a few passages, but it will be on PowerPoint right behind me, and you'll see some of those as we go along. I think the book of Hebrews is a very fascinating book. Um, we, we don't know the author of the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're still debating whether it's the Apostle Paul or, or Barnabas or someone else. Uh, we do not know the carrier of the letter who brought it to the recipients. We don't even know who the recipients totally were. We are not sure about the date of the writing. And not ev- we don't even know the city and place of destination of this particular letter. But it's still a letter that has a tremendous message for the church today. It is clearly a piece of literary work with a, clear, a very clear agenda. The writer who ever wrote the book has a very specific, intentional, very deliberate, and a very clear agenda uh, to share with the recipients. There is a clear motive within the text that this writing wants to emphasize. And the agenda is strongly pushed to showcase not a philosophy, not to showcase a philosophy, not even a particular tenet, It's not to showcase even a program, but the entire letter of Hebrews is to showcase a person. Would to God that the whole earth would push such an agenda, because the agent of this agenda is the one who could heal a tired world and also heal a tired church. We say this to us as a church. Our world is tired. Just listen to CNN and Fox News and all the major news networks. Our world is really tired. And I mean that. Our world is tired. Tired of economic instability. Tired of empty promising politicians. Tired of ongoing and looming wars. Tired of uncertainty. Tired of religious systems that make empty promises. But above the world, the church seems to be tired as well. Our churches are tired of failing ministries, tired of fundraising for buildings, tired of spouses breaking marital vows, tired of mounting divorces within our midst, and and tired of broken promises, and tired of perfunctory worship programs, and tired of losing their children to Satan, and, and the world is just tired of not having good elders or shepherds leading them in the way they should, following the master's footsteps. Church is tired. What should we, more correctly, ask the question, what and who can change that? What do you do when a world is tired? What do you do when your church audience is tired? And what do you do when hundreds of brothers and sisters threaten to leave the church because they are tired? Let me say this, that you don't provide them with a quick map of fads and shorter sermons and fancier worship services. That's not what this world needs. What this world needs is Jesus. It's not just teachings about Jesus. It is Jesus Christ himself. A clearer vision and a clearer and renewed view of who Jesus is. That's what our church needs. That's what, in fact, that's what the world needs. And so I want to emphasize that very preeminently tonight, that the world and our church needs Jesus Christ. 
The Hebrew church was a church that was barely hanging on. And if you read the, the letter from the first chapter till the last, 1 through 13, you kind of get the impression throughout the letter that some people in the church, perhaps most people in the Hebrew, Hebrews church, they were getting tired. And they were yearning for some more excitement and more excitement and more excitement, but the more they yearned, the more tired they grew. What is it that they need? Let me share three things with us that I think uh, it's easy to remember, that I think and, and I hope will, will, will last in your, your hearts and minds uh, throughout the week and perhaps throughout your life. The first thing I want to share with us to help us as a tired church, and boy, I, I, I move around churches, Mike, Mike knows this, and in my, uh, since my arrival in Oklahoma, I have been in almost 70 churches uh, doing seminars and preaching like I do tonight just to see and get the pulse of the church. And there are some congregations that are really, really tired. And you have Wednesday nights dwindling and, and uh, growing smaller. You have Sunday mornings dwindling and growing smaller. You have Sunday nights being closed. Churches are getting tired. What is it that we need as a church? What do I need as a believer? If I am tired and I'm exhausted and I don't feel like this Christian thing anymore. And, and church to me is boring. There's no more excitement there. And I'm looking to the elders and I'm looking to the minister and maybe we change the minister and maybe hope, hopefully he can, he, can, he can revive us. Is that my view? Is that my vision? Perhaps we're there. I think what the church needs, number one, is a renewed vision of Christ. That will renew our zest for God. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It will be on the slide for you as well. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he's the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Sounds like the Hebrew audience was tired of Christianity, tired of being discouraged, and they were ready to try something different, something totally different. Give us something new. Now, several indications throughout the book that the audience had lost their spiritual fervor. For example, chapter 6 and verse 12 don't turn there, but the word slothful is used. In chapters 12, verses 12 through 13, they are asked to Lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and that which is lame. And so they, the eagerness, eagerness was just gone. And they were called to have that sense of diligence and zest again. And how were they going to find that? And so the best counsel for the tired audience is to look again at who you have as Lord and Savior. And that's what the Hebrew, Hebrews writer starts with in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Look again. 
Don't look to the prophets. Don't even look to the angels. Don't look to your messengers. And don't look to those celestial beings. I want you to have a fresh view. A renewed vision. A renewed view of the one who can give you zest and can give you energy. And his name is Jesus Christ. Beloved, the revitalization and energy for a sustained relationship and a sustained worshipful experience is not in a message, but in a message being experienced. You can only listen to so many sermons, but until you and I take those sermons and embody those sermons and live those sermons, and especially the sermons that draw us to the image of Jesus Christ, who is our model, we will always be wanting something different, something new. And when we try all those things, we'll just tired and more tired and more tired because we're focusing on the wrong things and perhaps the wrong people. So I say to the church, look again at Jesus now, the Hebrews audience didn't have a problem with, with the worshipping of prophets or preachers. Now, that's not the issue in the book of Hebrews. They did not have a problem with the worship of angels even. The point is they just did not see enough and they did not hear enough and perhaps they did not experience enough of the depth and true divine reality of Jesus. Maybe worship became ritualistic. And their fellowships were ritualistic. And maybe their worship was fanciful. And the sermons were fanciful. And maybe they added some excitement to the worship and tried to kind of, kind of pep people up. But in the process, they obscured. They obscured the one who could give them, truly give them energy. In the process, they obscured the vision, the clear and true vision of Jesus Christ himself. I hope it doesn't happen at Choctaw. I hope that those of you who speak here as ministers, I hope you preach and lift up Jesus. I hope you don't lift up yourself. I hope you don't lift up your leadership. Yes, give honor to whom honor is due, but please, ministers, teachers in the classroom, those who teach our kids, please, if you want to energize any church anywhere, you and I better lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the church gets its, 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 its sustenance from, its source from, its energy from, its revitalization from. I've seen people change around things and build more buildings. Nothing wrong with buildings. I think if we need it, we need it. But I've seen them go to, it, to the extreme of, of doing all kinds of stuff to, to, to kind of bring about some life in, into a church and in a church. But... It doesn't take long for that church to get back into the old pattern of just plain getting tired. And what the church needs is a renewed vision again of the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. For any audience who is tired, made so by mechanical, perfunctory performances, and meaningful worship rituals, I say to that church that life will return when Christ is returned to his rightful place in your church and in your heart. Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? 
Who are you dedicating yourself to? Who are you focusing on? Is it how much money we have in the church budget? Is it who the elders are, the preachers are, the programs you have? Who are you focusing on truly every single day of your life? If it's not Jesus, perhaps you're in the throes of becoming tired. So let's have a renewed vision of the person of Jesus Christ. But secondly, I believe what the Chittaya Church needs is a renewed vision of Christ's empathy as mediator. That will renew our energy. I'm, I'm convinced that will. Chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 of the book of Hebrews, again. 4, 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us all fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Listen to 16. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. And maybe our time of need in this congregation is retired. Lord, help me. Lord, help us. And I like verse 16 because it has that sense of intercession. If you get tired, you need help, you and I as a church, as a collective body, but also as individuals, we need to draw near to the throne of grace. And who sits on the throne? It is Him. It is Jesus. It is the one who can give us the energy. It's the one when I'm tired and I bow down and I pray or I, it just in everyday life, I'm, I'm tired and I, I don't feel like, like church. I don't, I don't feel like being a Christian. I can draw near to him and he can say to me with all empathy because he was human, son or daughter, I understand. I understand your struggle. I understand the temptations that are luring you and drawing you and pulling you away from church and from Christianity. And even from me, I understand. I've been there. A tired church utters sometimes formal prayers and tired prayers and fearful prayers and doubtful prayers and consistent perfunctory prayers. And sometimes we even utter some cross-your-finger type prayers because we're just, we just tired, Lord. We're just tired. We don't even know how to pray anymore. We don't even know how to evangelize anymore. We don't, know, don't even know how to do church anymore. We're just tired. Lord, let me just go to church and sit down and listen. And then I'm going to go home and eat my lunch. He's called us as, as, as a peculiar people out of the world to be the light and the salt of the earth. But if the salt is tired, saltless, and if the light is dark or dim, how can he reach the world? He cannot reach the world through a tired church. And he says to our tired churches, he says, you come to my throne. Come to my throne, listen, of grace. Let me pour my grace upon you in those moments when you are weak, in those moments when you are tired, in those moments when you are lifeless and you don't feel like it anymore. You come close to me. 
draw close and let me energize you. A tired church sometimes cannot see or imagine prayer working effectively. So they either go through the prayer motions or they completely abandon praying. And I bet you in an audience this size, there are probably one or two or three or four or twenty of you who are not praying as they should. You've just become tired. It's just become a perfunctory thing for you. There's no meaning in it anymore. You're not living through prayer. You're just saying words. There's no relationship with him on the throne. You're just, just going through the motions. Because you have to. And it makes you feel good. That you can, you can say to others, yes, I've prayed today. Oh, he says, really draw close to me. Have a relationship with the one who understands you. Come on, church. Don't give me, don't give me mechanical worship. Give me your heart. Give me your life. Really draw close to me. And if you do, I will energize you. I will give you strength. I will bring you out of your fatigue as a church and as an individual believer. I will give you life. Jesus is sitting on the throne and waiting on each of us to come boldly, to pray audaciously, not to pray from a distance, but to come boldly unto the throne of grace. So let's have a renewed vision of Christ's empathy as a mediator who is waiting on us to draw near unto him. I love what the Hebrew writer says in chapter 12. Let me read a previous passage before that, and I have it written on my sheet here. Chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. Don't have this on the PowerPoint slide, but if you want to follow with me, you may. He warns the church, he says, Hebrews 12, 12 through 15, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, lift up those feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Listen, but rather be healed. Come on, believer. Come on, judge. Get out of your fatigue. Lift up the heart. Lift up the knees. Lift up those hands and be healed. Looking, listen, looking not lazily or slothfully, but looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Boy, of course, you have, listen, 12, 22 and following. You have come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Listen, and then he says, you have come, church and believer, unto Jesus, the mediator. See that you do not refuse him that speaketh from heaven. And he who speaks from heaven says, come boldly unto the throne of grace. Come get your energy. Come get your zest. Come get your revitalization. But get it from me because I understand you. And listen, I know you. He knows you. 
entire church. Let's get a renewed vision of who Jesus is as mediator. The fact that he wants us to draw close to the throne of grace. And then finally, finally, the child Titus needs to hear, and what the tired church needs to see is a renewed vision of Christ as a true model of endurance. He never gave up. Ladies and gentlemen, he never gave up. If there's anyone in the world who should have given up, if there's anyone in history that should have given up, should have been Jesus. Didn't deserve it. Perfect life. Really no enemies that he made. But they killed him. They were after him. Every single day of his life, his own family, his own Jewish brothers and sisters were after him. He should have given up. But he did not. It was a true model of endurance. It was a true model of faith. You know, fatigue can very easily cause you to want to give up God and to want to give up Christ and to want to give up the church. And there's some of you perhaps who were there. Perhaps you're there now. And you've contemplated that. And we can so easily do that. You know, Christianity is not working for me anymore, you may say. This new system, uh, believers said, this new system is so fraught with uncertainty, so filled with hurdles, so devoid of happiness, so flooded with pain. Why should we, why should we suffer? I'm just giving up. Some of you, I've listened to your announcements tonight very carefully, and some of you are struggling with some health issues, and you've been praying, and the church has been praying for you for a long time, and it's not working out. There's no response, no answer from God, supposedly. And you just feel, I'm getting tired. Tired. Don't give up. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, you know, I know you're well familiar with the chapter, and you go throughout the chapter, uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, you know there were a bunch of people in the, in the, the 11th chapter that could have given up, but did not. From Abel to Samuel, every one of those heroes of faith endured. Because they saw something in the future that was far beyond what we can see with our naked eyes. They saw a city. They saw, they saw the city of God. They saw a promised city that will someday take away all the fatigue. That will someday usher in all of the promises that they long for. That will someday give them the kind of rest that the Hebrews writer would talk about in chapters 3 and 4. The kind of Sabbath rest that is not rest for a little while, but a Sabbath rest that will be rest for eternity so it's worth enduring. It's worth hanging in there. It's worth staying in there. It, it is worth, uh, you know, laboring under all of the vicissitudes of this life and all of the trials of this life and keeping your eyes, as a Hebrew writer would, would, would enjoin upon us, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher 
of our faith. In other words, he is the road map to us starting this journey of faith from the beginning to the end. If you want to Google map Jesus, Google map his life. And it will show you exactly how you need to go and how you need to traverse the, the life in this world. And how you need to endure until the end. A renewed vision of Christ as a true model of endurance. And that's what he encourages us to do. I am excited. I'm excited that we have this book. I'm excited that we have the entire Bible. But I'm so excited that we have Jesus as a true model for our endurance. If we trust God and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ and our eyes are completely set upon him and no one else. I, I really don't care who wants to discourage me. My eyes are going to be upon him because he is the one. He's the one. The only one who can give me the energy and the strength to last until he finally returns to call me home and to give me that Sabbath rest. It's completely, it's a completely wonderful thing to be a child of God. It's an awesome thing to have a Savior like Jesus. What a, what a marvelous model we have for a Savior. What a model we have for one who understands us. And who says to me every single day when I get tired as a minister, Mike, come on, Alan. Draw nigh unto the throne. Let me give you grace. Yes, the church, sometimes they'll talk about you and they'll complain about you as a minister. He says, mm, you draw unto me, close to me, and let me energize you. And sometimes members, you are discouraged by ministers, even leadership. He says, don't keep your eyes fixed on them. You draw nigh unto me. And let me give you the strength that you need for the rest of your journey. Tired church, don't give up. Listen to the true message. Experience the true message. Flee to the true mediator. And look to the true model for endurance. And I promise you, if you, you and I do just those three things, at the end of the day, when he finally arrives, and he finally comes, you will not be disappointed. Let me close with a passage, another passage out of Hebrews chapter 10, 37 through 39. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me, and then the lesson will be yours. Chapter 10, 37 to 39. He says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. 
And I wish as a church we would cry the next verse, but we are not of those who would shrink back to destruction, but of those who would have faith to the preserving of our souls. Tired church, hold on, hang on. You know, it's all worth it. Let's not play church. Let's be the real church. Amen? Amen. God bless you.